Man, everybody did such a good job today. You guys got me all nervous now. What am I going to do? I preached a message once that I thought was really bad. It was so bad, you know, that, that kind of ruins your day when you're a pastor, it's a big day, and then you preach a really bad message, you kind of call it laying an egg. I, I was at Taco Bell with the family, and I was a little bit subdued, and they were like, what's wrong, Dad? And I go, I laid an egg today. <laughs> My son Daniel goes, what? He go, I go, I feel like I just laid an egg. He goes, what's that? I go, you know, like when you try to preach a really good message and it doesn't go over well, you just feel like you laid an egg. So the next Sunday, we're at Taco Bell again, and I felt like I did all right until my son Daniel said, Dad, do you, do you feel like you laid an egg today? I'm like, I didn't until you asked. And I was just thinking about all this wonderful music and organ and drums and, and the worship leading and your joy and thinking, man, Easter would really be a bad day to lay an egg, wouldn't it? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about Jesus. You can't lose when you talk about Jesus. When I was in high school, I read this book. It was an interesting book. It was a book about, now there are really good lawyers, you know, some in the house, but then there are shady lawyers. There are bad lawyers, and there are, and this guy was like a political hack. He was a shady political operative, and he was a deceitful lawyer, and he was a criminal, and eventually he was a prisoner. But while he was in prison, his life was completely changed when somebody told him about Jesus Christ. He wrote a book about the experience. The book was called Born Again. His name was Charles Colson. He's with the Lord now, but he started a ministry in prisons that went literally around the world. His life was radically transformed inside out while he was in prison by Jesus, the risen Christ. And he started a ministry that was used of the Lord to change the lives of thousands of other people. Because the Bible is plain about this, because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you can change from the inside out. Have you ever seen one of those services in a church that's called cardboard testimonies? Anybody ever seen a few of you? So let me explain it to you. The way it works is not everybody wants to give a big speech about how God changed their life, but they wanted to testify. So they come out on the stage with a piece of cardboard that has what they used to be on this side. Like a guy walks out and he said, and, and this side of the cardboard, it says, addicted to alcohol uh, for 30 years or 20 years. And then he flips the cardboard around and it says, you know, clean and sober for six years. And then everybody burst into applause because you know what the Bible says? Because Jesus is alive, you can change. The cardboard testimonies. If we had cardboard testimonies today, somebody might come out and say, you know, I lived an immoral life. And then they would flip the cardboard and it might say, mother and grandmother and faithful wife for years. Because Jesus Christ can change your life. H.A. Ironside, is that a cool name? He was a pastor at, in Chicago years ago. He was one of the pastors of the historic Moody Church. 
One of the things that he loved to do is he loved to go out on the street and not yell at people like you see people do sometimes, but just proclaim Christ to people on the street and give them hope. And so he was out one day on the streets of Chicago and he was proclaiming Christ and he was giving people hope and he was telling them that Jesus could change their life and somebody shouted from the crowd, an atheist, I don't believe in God and I'm an atheist and I want to debate you. And Ironside, without missing a beat, said, I would be happy to debate you as an atheist. Here are the terms of the debate. He said, I will produce 50 men who were once in bondage to alcohol, but God set them free. And I'll produce 50 women who were once in bondage to immoral living, and God set them free. And you produce 100 atheists who were changed inside out by atheism, and then we'll have our debate. Guess what? That debate never happened. Because Jesus Christ can change you from the inside out. And today, i just tell you up front what I'm trying to do. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you that even though you may have given up hope that you can change that thing, God can change that thing. If what God wants changed, he can change by the power of God. You can't, but he can. And Resurrection Sunday is a good Sunday to be talking about that because the New Testament is repeatedly promises us that moral and spiritual transformation is possible. In other words, that you can change in any area that God wants you to change. According to the Bible, it's possible to change inside out with God's self. It's possible to have this continuous experience of gradual. It might be that you get set back a little bit and then you go forward. But it is possible that you have a continual experience of God giving his life to you on the inside and helping you. And some of you, maybe you came to church today on Easter with a longing for that or with a little tiny hope for that or maybe a great big hope for that or maybe some of you came today and you're almost out of gas. You're almost out of steam. And you've been tempted to believe you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I can't. This is just going to be with me for the rest of my life. I can't change. I'm here to tell you, no, of course you can't. But he can and you maybe some of you have that longing and that's maybe evidence that God is working at you I have a, a, a book I love to read it's actually a, a, a message by a man named C.S. Lewis he was an Oxford Don years ago and he, and he one night he went and preached this message in a church in Evensong it was called the weight of glory and this is recorded for us in you know we can read it in it he describes the mysterious longing that we all have for something more more than what we've experienced the world that we live in he's going to say is real but it's not ultimate the ultimate will join the physical universe that we know now and the spiritual universe that we don't see together in one the curse of sin will be taken out of it god will be present with men men won't have sin natures there the ultimate world is the world to come and this is the world that C.S. Lewis says, this is the world that we long for. And, and, and C.S. Lewis said, the world that we live in now, he called it the shadow lands, because it kind of hints about the other world. It's like God made this world with enough beauty in it, with enough wonder in it, that it would stimulate our longing for what's eternal and ultimate and real. Are you tracking with me? That there is a time and there is a place when the new heavens 
and the new earth and the new Jerusalem become the eternal kingdom of God. And those who believe in the resurrected Christ will populate that kingdom forever. That's what the Bible teaches. In the meantime, little by little and gradually, we can experience a touch of new life. We can change in any area God wants us to change. Well, Lewis says, he said that um, this, he says, because there's a hint or a glimpse or a foretaste in this world, in the shadowlands of the world that's to come, he said, at present, and this is a quote from Lewis, I love this, at present, he said, we are on the outside of that world, that ultimate world. He said, we're on the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and the purity of morning, but they don't make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors that we see. But all the, this is my favorite quote, but all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Is that gorgeous? But the leaves of the New Testament, all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with a rumor that it will not always be so, will not always be locked out of that ultimate world. I think it's beautifully and poetically arranged how he put that. He said, that, he said this, someday, God willing, we will get in to that ultimate world. Lewis says, a cleft has been opened in the pitiless walls of, of this world and we're invited to follow our great captain inside i hope that stirs your heart this morning and so here we are on resurrection sunday faithfully valiantly trying to keep our hope alive we're daring to believe that through christ there is a door into the other world and that world is the ultimate world he is risen indeed and he's ascended into that other world and because he's risen, you and I can follow him into that world one day. He is the first fruits of a harvest of life. And we who are saved, we who are born again, can follow him one day. And so we gather. We gather this Easter, this resurrection morning, because we each are, I trust, longing for a touch of new life. And we, we desire an ever-fresh experience with God. And we seek freedom from addictions and long ingrained sinful habit patterns that hurt us and hurt the people that we love and we long for perhaps a deeper peace or we learn we long for freedom from anxiety or we long for a, a greater and more lasting joy or we long for a new level of moral purity in our hearts our deliverance from prejudice or hatred or the ability to forgive and show mercy to those who have deeply hurt us we crave happiness and joy we've heard there is a forgiveness and a mercy for our sins and we know that our sins are many and if this is possible the question this easter sunday is how is this possible how can i how can i have this like experience of resurrection life this and so we this is actually a series this is the last in a series of messages and if you missed i will catch you up quickly the first step, if you will, we talked about last Sunday, and that is a person has to come to a point where they humbly acknowledge their need. A person has to come to a point where they humbly acknowledge their need. Yeah, I'll give you a little example just to help you, a little concrete example. Let's say a fellow's a pretty good Christian, pretty nice, serves the Lord, but, but he's been hurt by, oh, let's just fill in the blank. What do you want to say? Black people? And so he has a little problem being nice, to black people 
he has a little problem. He's a good Christian guy in a lot of ways. He's very wonderful. But he, you, you'll see, you, you listen. You, if you listen, you can hear it. In the things that he says, the way that he has a little pocket of ugly prejudice that hangs on. Can he change? Can his sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, the people that live with him, could they say, he used to be kind of ugly with prejudice, but I don't see that anymore. That's gone. It's an example, you see. But, but first, what does he have to do? He has to humbly acknowledge, this is a need I have. Can I tell you something personal? My personal spiritual experience in this doesn't plot up and to the right, straight up. <laughs> I know I look great this morning, don't you think? And you probably think I never sin. I know. Um, but actually, here's what my life looks like. Have you ever seen, those of you that are older, you remember in the 70s, the introduction to the wide world of sports? Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. The human drama of athletic competition. I'm the guy that's spiraling off the ski slope. Remember that guy? He, he's from Yugoslavia. He went on to be a painter. <laughs> he went down the run that day, and he got off to the side, and he did that. You actually lived through it. You always wonder, did the guy live? He lived. Matter of fact, 20 years later, because they used that, that accident, they used that so often on ABC's Wide World of Sports, he was from Yugoslavia. They invited him to the 20th anniversary of Wide World of Sports. He got a standing ovation. He was a little confused because English wasn't his primary language. Standing next to him at the end of the standing ovation was a man that wanted his autograph. The man's name was Muhammad Ali. He was famous. That's me. I'm just saying, that's me. I have known the thrill of victory. I have had victories in my life. I have seen the Lord change my life not just he saved me really as a little boy but later on when i struggle with things that i'm too embarrassed to describe in detail right now god has given me honestly and people who know me can tell you this really serious great victories in a number of those areas of my life and they're significant victories a new obedience new life honestly i have known the thrill of victory i don't know about you i, I have i can honestly say god has changed my life in this way now, here's the other thing I need to tell you. Uh, I won't disappoint any of you, but you know what I'm going to say, right? I've also known the agony of defeat after I've known the thrill of victory. Anybody with me on this? Both? Have you had a set? You know, I was able, but then I had a setback, right? So here you are. It's Easter, and you're going, ah, oh, I'm so discouraged. I had a little pocket of victory one time, but now I'm back to my old self. And just to be honest with you, that, that, that describes my life. But I want to encourage you. This is not, this is, shouldn't surprise us. The scriptures say this is kind of the way it is. It's a slugfest. It's a dogfight. We're in a war. It's not going to, the Satan and his demons are not going to yield easily. The flesh is hard to wrestle down. Yet there is one who conquered the grave and the demons, and his name is Jesus. And he died, and he rose again, and he works in us in resurrection power. And you can know the thrill of victory again. You can change because Jesus rose from the dead. Now, 
I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor, you're going to have to show me how that works. And so what I want to do today is I want to I keep it simple. I want to give you three passages of Scripture. We'll look at one especially, almost like a menu from which we can order from God wonderful moral virtues in our life. But I want to show you three passages that, that prove this. So you get three biblical witnesses. And the, the first one, you can just listen or you can take your Bibles and open to Romans and chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is written by Paul to Christians and it's telling them how they can have a taste of, of new life. To have a taste of new life, the first thing we have to do is humbly admit a need. The second thing we have to do is recognize that what needs to happen is humanly impossible. God is going to have to do a miracle. And the third thing, I'm going to show it to you right here. Romans chapter 6. Listen, this is about how to defeat sins in your life, which is the same thing as you can change. It's like you can change in any way that there's something in your life that God doesn't want there or something absent that God wants to be there. Some of you, you like your wife is discouraged because she's thinking he is never going to change. Wouldn't it be wonderful to surprise her? Some of you, you know, your moms, your kids are like, ah, you know, mom, just that's what she does. She always does. And wouldn't it be wonderful to shock those kids with, with a new or the touch of new life? Wouldn't it be wonderful if, if the next time you're sitting around the barber shop, you know, people go, something about him. He's like, I don't know what it is, but. He's different than he was. Listen, listen to this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? <laughs> you know, chalk it up to God's grace. Continue in sin that grace may abound. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Here it comes. Are you listening? Don't you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Stay with me. We're getting there. Now listen to this. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, here it is. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we can walk in newness of life. Mark it in your Bible. Get out a highlighter. and This is the word of God. The power that the glory, which is the power that raised Jesus from the dead, can work in the life of a willing Christian who humbles herself, humbles himself, admits his need. God can work in your life to change you in any area of your life where God wants you changed. You can change, and the power that changes you is the same power that did what? That raised Jesus from the dead. Exhibit A, Romans 6, verse 4 we're buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might have the continual, ongoing experience of newness of life. Walk in newness of life. Repeat things that are like his life is new. And, and, and this whole passage is rich with this. Read it briefly. Verse 5, we are united with him in death. We'll be united with him in resurrection after this, his uh, the old self is crucified in order the body of sin might be brought to nothing so we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For he who has died has been set free from sin. Now we who have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. You could take like sin out and you could put in the name of whatever it is you're wrestling with that you kind of know isn't really best for you. 
that anger that shouldn't be in your life, that drunkenness that shouldn't be in your life. I was talking to a young man about this message, and he says, he described the kind of tobacco he likes. It's kind of like he dips, and he was talking about it dreamily like it was wonderful. And he said, but I do that more than I wish I would, and I wonder, would, could, I, could I, would it help? Could I stop doing that? Like, if, you, if God doesn't want that in your life, you can get that out of your life. No matter what it is. I know you're, th- you're feeling kind of relaxed now because you don't dip. But you might have something in your life that your loved ones would really like to see <laughs> taken out. Or something absent in your life. Some virtue, some beautiful virtue that really ought to be and could be in your life by the power of God. But it isn't because you just too discouraged you stop believing God that he could change you. I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word, you can not only change, you can change by the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what, read all of Romans 6, it is amazing. That's passage number one. The second passage, I'll I'll quote to you, but don't look it up because I'm going to move really fast. Second Peter, now Peter, remember Peter denied the Lord, he's a pretty good guy, but he denied the Lord, and he kind of stepped in it a few times, said some bad words, denied the Lord, you know, he had had some, he had some uh, agony of defeat in in his life too. And then later on, Jesus went and got him and brought him back. And then later on, he preached and thousands were saved. And then later on, he wrote books that we read today. One of them, 1 Peter, he wrote this. God has granted to us, I'm sorry, this is 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Notes are online after I'm done here. Uh, you go home and I know you want to probably look at those. And, and you can look at these passages and find them. But listen, this is 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. Written by Peter, who after the resurrection of Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And his life was, he was a new man. And he died faithful. He never denied the Lord again. He died faithful. God changed him. Listen, here's what Peter said. I love this. He granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He said, everything you need for life and a godly life, he has given, he has granted to you. He's gra- this is the promise of the Bible. He's granted to us everything we need not to fornicate. Granted to us everything we need not to be a glutton. Granted to us everything we need not to be hateful to other people, granted to us everything we need to show mercy to those who've hurt us or whatever it is that we need. He's given us everything we need granted to us. He's granted us very precious and great promises. This is staggering. Are you ready for this? So that we can be partakers of the divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world. Is the Bible true or not? It is true. It's the word of God. The promise of the Word of God, Peter gave it to us through the, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he, he experienced this. He said, we can be partakers of the divine nature. What, you know, theologians talk about God's attributes that are communicable, meaning some of God's attributes, he can share them with us. God is loving, we can be more loving. God is pure, we can be more pure. God certainly loves all people. We can love all people. God forgives. We can forgive. They're communicable attributes. He has given to us everything we need for life and godliness. He's granted to us exceeding great and precious promises. We can become partakers of the divine nature, get along with God, and ask him for that. He's patient with us. He's long-suffering. This will be a process. Don't be too hard on yourself, but listen, don't give up. Now, can I give you a little brief Easter Greek grammar lesson? I know you came today for that. If I could just have a little Greek grammar today, 
I'd be happy. Don't worry, I'm not really that good at it, so I can't take you very deep. But here's what I want to show you. In Colossians, in chapter 3, where we're going to go next, where we're going to see a big, long, extended passage of promises like a menu we can order from, it's they're, they're, the, the verbs are the main thing that you want to watch. Remember the teachers taught you the action words, right? The verbs, the action words. So you want to look through a passage of Scripture like this, especially in the didactic or the teaching passages, the epistles. And you want to look at the verbs. If you want to understand what's being said, you want to look at the verbs. Now, the Greek scholars say there are, like four, there are, there are four different moods of, of Greek verbs. But a couple of them are indicative and imperative. Indicative kind of means this is a done deal. Imperative means this is what you're supposed to do. And the verbs, if you know if they're in the indicative mood or in the imperative mood, track with me, don't, don't let me lose you here. If you read through a passage like this, they toggle back and forth between the indicative and the imperative. In other words, they toggle back and forth between stuff that God did and what he expects you to do. And you can do what he expects you to do because he did what he did. And the emphasis is on the indicative. It's on what God did, not on the imperative, what you're supposed to do. Are you tracking with me? Let me say it in a real simple way without the Greek grammar. If you look carefully at the Bible, what you see is God never demands things of us that he doesn't empower us to do. And the, the empowerment, the promises are all laced in between the things he's commanded us to do. Don't be discouraged today. Don't get beat down today. Don't let Satan defeat you. Don't defeat yourself. Realize, no, as long as I'm drawing breath, I can change. And one day God's going to take me to heaven where I'll have, we'll, we'll be completely uh, in the likeness of, of Jesus. Now, let's look at this key passage here in Colossians. So I've shown you uh, Romans 6, and I've shown you 2 Peter. But I want to show you Colossians 3. I want to read it to you. Just for 17 verses, but here's why it's really exciting. It's almost like the Lord has given us a menu and said, how would you like some of this? You ever been to a really good restaurant and you look at the menu and go, man, I got to come back here because there's more stuff that, that, that a person could eat than I probably should be eating today. And you say, I'm going to come back to this restaurant and order again. There's a, it's really uh, a list here of things that God has done for us who believe in him. And a list of things that can characterize our life, those of us who trust him. I want to encourage you today, on Easter Sunday, to keep the hope for a touch of new life alive in your life. God really can do something new in you. You can be a new man. You can be a new woman. You can have a better life. You can be a sweeter husband. Ladies, I understand a little bit. I've been a pastor for a while. I have daughters. I have a wife. I have a mother. I have a sister. Ladies, I understand in our culture how many ways women get hurt. How many times we hurt the women in our lives or others hurt them. And how hard it is not to be embittered. How hard it is to get free of the hurts that have happened to ladies or to men. One of the things I'm telling you is when you read this passage, one of the things you're going to see is by the power of God, you can get free of whatever hurt you've experienced. So you ready to read this? Let, let me just read it, but I want you to notice what it starts with. It's pretty cool. If then, I'm in Colossians 3, 1, 1 through 17. If then you have been raised with Christ. You, you, could, you could say, are you a Christian? 
that, can I, how many of you are Christians today? Raise your hand. You're a Christian? I assumed you were. You came to Easter. You believe. And, and some of you, if you have any doubts, let us talk to you. We'll walk you through that and take care of that. We could say about you that are Christians, since you have been raised with Christ. Christ was raised, and spiritually we were raised with him. Since that is true, seek these things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here's the menu. Listen to it. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, when Christ, who is your life, appears, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And these two you once walked when you were living in them, past tense, right? But now you must put them all off. Uh, uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing you have put off the old self with its practices. And you've been put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. Here there's not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom and singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs with thankful little hearts unto God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Go ahead, say wow. Say wow. Wow. Now that's a menu. I know. Maybe when you were reading it, you felt like you got the, this divine pastor welcome to Easter beat down. You bad people need to do this and that and the other thing. Like, no. Don't read it like that. Read it like a mix of imperatives and indicatives, indicatives and imperatives. It's like God said this, so that's, this can be true about you. You don't have to live in prejudice. You don't have to live in bitterness. Ladies, forgiveness is one of the most beautiful things. Can I say today, some lady needs to be set free from bitterness today on Easter Sunday. I know. You've been hurt, but God says you can, you can forgive. God, God help you. So when you look through this, you might say, well, what would the resurrection life look like? Let's go back through this again, and, and, and I'll show you this. You, you might start thinking more. The re, if, you, if the resurrection life was happening in you, if you're walking in newness of life, if you're trusting the Lord and leaning, his, going his way, if you're growing in, in holiness, progressive sanctification, we call it, then it would look like this. This is the menu, like verse, verse 1. You might think more about the hereafter and not so much about the here and now. That's why it says, if you're raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated on the hand of, at the right hand of God and set your mind on things above and not on things of earth. It would be helpful if you had more thought about ultimate things and not so worried about immediate things, right? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be helpful? Of course it would. 
like if we could go to heaven for a few minutes and then come back, we would be passionate evangelists, wouldn't we? If we go to, if we go to hell, come back, it would change our lives. We wouldn't be so frivolous about things. We wouldn't be so here and now. We'd be more hereafter. Like, God, there's a God. There's a heaven. There's a hell. I'm telling you, Jesus is real. Believe in him. Don't, don't be sad. Don't be sad. Your boy died. You'll see him again in heaven someday if he knew the Lord. You, you, there's going to be a reunion. It's real. It, 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 wouldn't that be something? The power of the resurrection can help us to think more heavenly thoughts. And then what else would it look like? You might, you might learn to love things that last and not just things that are temporary. You might long to have moral purity. Look in there in verse um, 4 and 5. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear with him. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, like sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. If the resurrection power is at work in you and you yield to God's work in you, it will help you work on that, that project of being more pure. You can be more pure than you are. You can grow. There is, a guy said this to me when I was young, and I, I, I believed it, and I've experienced it. He said there is a whole new level of moral purity possible for you than you ever thought. And I can tell you that what he said was true. There's a whole new level of freedom from idolatry, freedom from gluttony, freedom from anger than you ever thought. But you stopped believing, didn't you? You started being cynical. You listened to the wrong voices. You stopped looking. You put the menu down and you stopped believing that the resurrection power could work in you to strengthen your marriage. You can have a marriage revival if there is a God and the Bible is true and the Holy Spirit lives in you. You can have a marriage revival. I've seen it happen. You can, you can treat your wife with a new tenderness. You can have a greater patience with, with your wife. You, you, can, you can not, not give up on, on your kids. God can, can change y- your kids in a way you, you can't. Yeah. So we might overcome the love of money. Look at verse 5. Covetousness is a form of idolatry. So if you're money, money, money all the time and you kind of have a problem with greed, God can change that. You might root out things that you look to for what only God can give. That's idolatry. Or that you might root out things that you give to that you really should be giving to God. I, I, I worked with a young man, and he, he told me this. He said, and, and he said I could say this. He said, he said he wanted to give to God. So he had some vices in his life that he was spending money on. And he said, what I made up my mind to do is I was just going to, since I'm not doing those things that cost me money anymore, I'm going to take that money and give it to God. That's not the first time I've ever heard somebody say that. Eddie Beasley, one of our uh, former elders here, um, he one time, and he gave me permission to tell you this story, he, he showed me a check that he had, and it was in his Bible like a bookmark. It was in Malachi 3.10. This is a verse about giving. And he said, this is my first tithe check. After I got right with the Lord, I started taking my sin money, giving it to God. And God has been so good to me. I, I've heard that story over and over and over again about how people said, I took the stuff I used to waste on sin, and I gave it to God or gave it to others. My life changed, and it's so much sweeter now. Your life can change. Ed, Ed, I know you don't mind me saying, Ed's life was changed a few years ago. Sunday's life was changed a few years ago. I was over at his house. He was feeding me the other day. He said, welcome to my house. God gave me this after I stopped spending my money on sinful stuff. Did I embarrass you? No, would never do that. All the way home, my heart was happy and rejoicing for Ed Sunday and what God has done in their life because God can change you if you yield your life to him. The power of the resurrection can change your life. Hallelujah. 
Now, you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, boy, let's go get those lost people and get them saved. Well, yeah, that'd be really good, but what about you changing? Wouldn't it be wonderful if your kids saw Jesus in you? Let, let's look at the menu a little bit more. I got a couple of more minutes here. All right, you might live, uh, you might no longer live in immorality. Verse 7, you might admit and confess and surrender your anger and your irritation to God. Look at verse 8, but now you must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. God can clean up your potty mouth. He can. Admit it's wrong. Ask him for help. God can clean up your profanity. God can help you with those angry words that hurt the people in your life. You, you don't have to go down in history in your family as the angry one. Some of you, I love you, but you know, like, listen, can I say this in, in, in love? You, you kind of, there's a little underlying right, hostility in your heart. And, and everybody who loves you kind of walks on eggshells all the time. It's hard doing that. Jesus can take away that, and you don't, they don't have to walk on eggshells anymore. He can make you a meek man. Ask him to help you. Admit that you need it. He can set you free. Then you can testify to others. There's so much more. You can clean up your language. If you, want, you might be more truthful and more honest. Look at 9 and 10. Don't lie to one another. Seeing you put off the old self with his practices. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator. You might be less likely to be prejudiced against people who are different, like barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. Some of you, listen, can you imagine what it, what it would be like if the prejudice that everybody knows about you that was there all your life, you didn't say it publicly because it's not popular, but privately, everybody knows you know that that prejudice is there privately. If you gathered your family together and you said, God showed me that that was sin against God. God made all these people and he adores them like his own grandchildren. And I have had prejudice against God's creation and some of God's children. Okay, that's sin. Let's just say now would be a really good time to say, do a new work that my, my kids and my grandkids see that, that I'm set free in that. And, and then you might develop a tender, merciful heart. Verses 12 and 13 Put on God's chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Anybody need to order that? Bearing with one another, like patience. And if it has one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Did you hear that? As the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. You're risen with Christ, you forgive. And there's more, there's so much more. Uh, I'll read it quickly. You might be filled with more peace and thankfulness, verse 15. You might also be filled with the word of God so you don't spout your own opinion all the time. And you might be careful what you say and make sure that the things you say are pleasing to God. That's what, look at verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, or let the word, the 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You ever meet people that go, I just say what I think. That's just a lovely virtue, isn't it? I'm being sarcastic. That is not lovely, in case you're wondering. People pretend they don't mind, but it's, it's ugly. But you know the people that say, well, here's what I think God says about that. Those are the sweet people you kind of want to be around. I, I, my tongue has got to be governed by the Lord. I can't just say what I think, or I'll just like spout off what I feel, and whether you like it or not. Really? That's not what I, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom. And then you're singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, how many of you need? A spring in your step and a song in your heart. You do. And how if you need a thankful heart to God? That's verse 16. 
And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of, be able to attach the name of Jesus to everything you do. That's a possibility according to this blessed Easter Sunday menu. Wow. So honestly, confess your need. Admit that this stuff is impossible unless God, who raised Jesus from the dead, empowers you. And trust him, I, I was sitting on my porch on a Saturday night, and I got a, I got a phone call from Joyce, lady in our church, other church. But I was sitting there, and Joyce calls, and she says, uh, Pastor, could you pray for my brother, Greg? I'm like, well, sure. He's sick. And I think he wants to be baptized, which to me is, as a pastor, shorthand for I need to make sure this guy's really saved, that if he's sick and he might die, let's make sure he's saved. I said, Joyce, um, where does he live? Joyce says, well, he's staying with me. I'm like, is he there right now? It's Saturday night. She says, he's there right now. She lives in my neighborhood. So I go, well, Joyce, do you mind if I just ride my bike over? Well, sure. I ride my bike over to talk with Greg. He's a little bit older guy. I think he was a Vietnam vet. He had this gorgeous white beard. This this really enviable. I wish I could grow a beard like that. It's a beautiful, big old white beard. And he's real tenderhearted, though. He'd been through a lot of things. He was kind of a rough guy. His language was salty, let's just say. (laughs) But it was kind of like not pastor language. But anyway, you could tell he he was facing death, and he was serious about God. And so I went over the gospel with him, and he believed. I didn't do anything but what a pastor supposed to do, ride over and tell him the good news about how he doesn't have to die without hope. And he lived quite a while, but he had the cancer. His beard fell out. His hair fell out. Came to church. I, I used to look back there to see if Greg was there, and he was always there. He put a bandana on his head after his hair fell out came to me once and he said, okay, I'm ready to be baptized. And he had a lot of physical problems and stuff we had to work around. But the day he was baptized, I will never forget Greg's baptism. He was like a, a, as joyful as a schoolgirl. He was just giggling and laughing. And I baptized him and I came back through the changing room and he was just crying and laughing at the same time. His life was changed. He loved the things of God. I visited him. He lived in kind of HUD housing in a, in a high-rise HUD apartment. And, and I'd go visit him there. He didn't have much, but you could see that he was joyful and that he had confidence that he had eternal life. When, when, when he died, he was, he was cremated, and his sister said, Pastor, we're not going to have a ceremony for him. He was just such a simple guy. He wouldn't want a bunch of to-do. But over in Riverview, kind of where I lived, he said, we're, he's got a grave, but we're going to put his ashes in the ground on Thursday afternoon. And if you want to drop by, some of us are going to be there but we're not going to have a funeral. And I said, well, okay. I thought about riding my bike over, but I thought, well, I drove my car, but I didn't dress up. I had a pair of jeans on, an old jacket. And when I got there, there were like 50 or 60, maybe 40, 50 people there. And then all of a sudden they said, Pastor, do you mind praying and saying a few words? All of a sudden now we have a funeral. I'm like, oh, okay. The group was there. It was like there was a group over here of everybody I knew from in town, his sisters and such. There was another group, and you could tell their license plates were from far away. They were a group from far away. And then there was that little box that had his earthly remains and then that open spot on the ground. And I just told the people that were there about how 
his life changed when he got saved and how he had joy. And this group over here, they, they, I, I learned two things about them when I started telling his story. This group over here were believers who didn't know he was saved. He was that crusty old war veteran that never was interested in the things of God and did not know that his life had been completely changed. And they started laughing and crying and shouting all at the same time. And then I was kind of happy. I was telling that story about it. They were all weeping and they were joyful. I just want you to know, when people's lives change, it gives them great joy. When your life changes, you're going to have a new level of joy that you didn't have before. And the people around you are going to rejoice like they never rejoiced before. And there's going to be rejoicing in heaven because when a sinner comes to repentance, the angels who are in the presence of God rejoice. It's like all over the universe there's joy. And all you have to do is order from the menu. Amen? Amen. You know what I would like? I, I would like a big Easter dinner. But first, I, I want a treat. They promised a treat on the way home. But before that, I think I'd like to hear you sing one more time. Could we go into just a little overtime? And could we ask you if you would sing a real lively, appropriate resurrection song? Yes? Okay, then. Let's do that. I'd like to ask you to stand. When we go home, and we're going to sing this song with all of our hearts, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to dismiss you with a blessing, a benediction. Before you leave, there's going to be a little treat, so you'll have a sweet taste in your mouth on the way home. We got jelly beans from heaven. They're starburst jelly beans for today. And so you get a sweet taste in your mouth on the way home. But lift up your voice to the Lord, and while you do, believe that the power of the resurrection can work in your life to change you from the inside out. Amen. So what in, in response to all these things, if God is for us, then who can be against us, right? He didn't, he, God, did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will not, how will that same God not also graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against us whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who can condemn not even us. We can't even condemn ourselves, huh. right? No one. Christ died. The Christ who died. More than that, the Christ who was raised to life is at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. So who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or COVID or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No one, right? In all these things, even in our sin, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Right? Nothing in all creation is going to separate us. And so as you sing this song and you get this list of neither height nor depth nor death nor life, man, you can insert your own sin right in there. That sin's not going to keep you from God. Amen. Are you ready, Kyle? Let's take this away. We won't fear. We won't fear the battle. We won't fear the night. We won't walk the valley with you by our side. You will go before us. You will lead the way. We have found a refuge. 
stumble Even when I stumble Even when I fall Even when I turn back Still your love is sure You will not abandon You will not forsake You will cheer me onward With never-ending grace Sing with joy now Our God is with us The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress Raise your voice now For no love is greater Who can stand against us If our God is for us Here's that big long list You can put your sin right in there Neither height nor death Can separate us strong and mighty fortress raise your voice now no love is greater who can stand against us sing with joy sing with joy now our god is for us the father's love is a strong and mighty fortress raise your voice now no love is greater stand against us if our God is for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's a good God. He's loving. Amen. 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 <laughs> How wonderful to be here today. What a, what a blessing you've been to us. And, and here's what's going to happen. We want to bless you on your way. But we also have folks that are going to come up here to pray. And you may be going to hurry home because I hope you have a nice afternoon. And the Lord has given us a beautiful day. You may hurry home. But one day, years ago, I said, you know, hey, if you need help, ask me for my card. And a guy named Steve Griffith at the door, he goes, can I have your card? And I was like, yeah. I went to his home that week, and I sat down, and I, I kind of one-on-one, or as I said, one-on-two, he and his wife, Kathy, and they came to know the Lord that day. And you may know the Lord, or you may need some counsel. If you're a woman, we have really highly trained women in our church. They're sensitive. They'll meet with you, talk with you. Fellas, you know, if you'd like to meet with me or one of our elders, we'll meet with you. We'll help you walk through whatever it is. We're walking through stuff. I'm walking through, right? So, but these are going to be here, uh, prayer, folks to pray, prayer partners. And they're coming right now. And they're going to be here at the front so that when our service is over, if you need somebody to pray with you right now, you just come on up and they'll pray with you. And then if you want to set up an appointment for further help, that'd be great. So right now, thank you. Right now, I'm going to pray a blessing on you. Heavenly Father, I do, in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, this is the blessing that I want to pray on those who are listening and watching online and on those who are here in the room today, 
that you would give us a taste of new life, a touch of new life in whatever area you want us to have a forward progress. Inspire us once again, stir us once again, empower us once again, that, Lord, we would be ever-changing, walking in newness of life. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great Easter.